Hello and welcome to the Keep Northern Ireland Beautiful podcast. In this edition, we're going to be looking at climate change and what local government can do to help on this very critical issue. And to go through this, we have two very qualified people. We're going to be looking particularly at the Belfast City Council area. So don't worry if you're in other council areas, we will get round each council in Northern Ireland. But this edition, we're going to be focusing on Belfast. And to go through um, uh, the many things going on in this council area, we have the Green Party Councillor for Botanic, uh, Councillor Anya Grugan, you're very welcome. And we also have Alliance Party Councillor Peter McReynolds, who is in the Ormiston DA. So you're both very welcome to the Keep Northern Ireland Beautiful podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm going to go to you first, Peter. Um, you've been in council now for what, about three years or so now? Um, how have you found the debate over climate change over over that period in, in the chat? Has have you seen a positive uh, evolution in the debate or have you seen it kind of stagnant? It's actually around uh, four years now, um, whenever I was co-opted um, on the council back in 2017. Um, and I was thinking about this today in advance of this conversation. Um, so whenever I first came on council, it, would, it was really only myself, uh, Georgina Milne of the Greens, uh, and my former colleague, Ross Brown, um, he wasn't in council whenever I was there, but really we were the only real voices, uh, maybe maybe Councillor Nicholl as well, um, that really spoke about environmental issues. Um, it wasn't really done that much back in 2017. Um, then I, I, I really do think that, and I say this all the time, uh, David Attenborough changed the entire game um, with Blue Planet and it really connected and resonated with the public. And since then, um, and you know, the 2019 local council elections, we've really seen green issues come to the fore. Um, I really think that you're doing, you're doing yourself and your constituents a disservice if you're against the environmental issues. Obviously, as well, then we had the, the motion declaring the climate emergency, which the majority of parties supported, um, the, the march on Belfast City Hall. So the landscape between 2017 and, and 2021 is completely different from what it used to be. Uh, environmental issues are really up there. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Anya, what have you seen? Now, you've obviously been there since 2019. You got elected and, you know, the Green Party went from one council to one, sorry, one councillor to now four. Um, how have you seen the debates around uh, around those issues from when you first um, uh, entered the chamber? Yeah, look, I think exactly as Peter said, I think it's it's more prevalent now than ever. And I think that's only a positive thing. Like I have been involved, I suppose, in Northern Irish politics for about four or five years now. I may have only been elected for the last two. But even, say, one of my first election campaigns, um, knocking doors for the Green Party would have been the Assembly 2017. Now, obviously, that was dominated by a different narrative. But even going from that and, you know, the subsequent general elections until my own council election, there was a real change you know we went from talking about no more of our social policies and economic policies and obviously some of the environment but the one issue in 2019 that people were even coming directly up to us to talk about was the environment so yeah like we think there's a number of factors around that you obviously yeah david attenborough effect greta thunberg you know really brought it into the i suppose the popular culture now um you've obviously had the ipcc report as well you think you know global warming is not new it's you know this has been going on 30, 40, 50 years, you know, it's been, we've known the science behind it, but to actually get it, I suppose, to hit the hearts and minds of people, it's took, I suppose, that, you know, that red light to come on, like PCC saying that we have 11 years. 
Um, then you've got David Attenborough, you know, really highlighting, you know, the impact it's having on our wildlife and our marine culture and biodiversity and Greta Thunberg as well, really popularizing that message. Um, you really have seen that come to the fore a lot more. Um, and then I suppose as a council, you know, we have taken, you know, leaps and bounds on, whereas, you know, prior, you know, prior terms, you know, environmental issues, issues, Peter said, would have been, you know, if it, no, it wouldn't really had been dominating it, though I think we have seen, you know, with us introduction into the the resilience cities um, and with Guan Yu Long coming in as the Commissioner for Resilience in Belfast, we really have seen that sea change here. Um, we now have the Climate Commission and, you know, we're, it's really embedded into the structures of Council now with our climate working group, with the community planning process. So it really has, you know, it's went from on the periphery, something we're kind of aware of and not really doing much about till we that's you know it's the bread and butter of what we do now in council it's built into everything yeah and that's one of the things again for my for my sins i i watch uh, council meetings every month and uh and i've seen um yeah i mean since 2014 when i first started the environment anytime the environment came up it was often about recycling or dog finding that was very much and obviously keeping all iron beautiful we'd be very much aware of that it's the it's one of the biggest queries that um, that, that that the organisation would get in. I know as councillors, I'm sure you are aware of dog finding queries um, as well. I mean, but last month at, at, the, at the council meeting, sorry, last week, um, I noted there was a big debate on air quality as well, which went on. I've noticed, for example, even the debate around waste collection, for example, has moved from just being about, oh, well, you know, you've just got that wee box there. You just put your papers and your bottles in there to to more and do about food waste and about more about circular economies. Peter, I just want to go to you on this. I mean, in terms of the broadening of that, I mean, you were mentioning some of the influences behind that, but as but as a councillor, um, do you find that um, that the appetite amongst the public is getting broader for, for more environmental measures? Yeah, I mean, obviously I sit on the People and Communities um, Committee, which is responsible for waste management and things like that. And I suppose... Before it would have been, sort of before that sort of public mindset shift, it would have been very much so along the lines of, this is a little bit irksome that I can't get my glass recycling done from my house. Um, I really don't like having to go to the bottle bank, what's going on? And it's really shifted into, well, why are we not recycling glass? This is ludicrous. Um, why aren't I able to do this easily? It's something that can be restored pretty much to its original form and then reused. Um, this is completely not sustainable in any way, shape or form. So it's moved really from that, this is a little bit of a bother to me, to why is my council not doing this? Um, this needs to be addressed. So you really have seen people move away from that kind of public service um, mindset to, well, this is environmentally good. This is good for the environment. This is what I want to see from my council. And really you're seeing that in the committees. Okay. And Anya, what have you thought, um, thought of that? Again, the public uh, demand for, for measures on, on these things from the council. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it was something people were actively coming to us about um, during the last election and since that. Um, and actually an element of it, I think, that we maybe don't give enough credit to is this was the impact of children and young people. Like the many times when I was out like, round the doors and talking to people and it was the children running to the doors going, oh, the Green Party and like making their parents go, look, you just need to be voting on this. This is something you need to be acting on. And I think that has really like brought us on quite a bit. We've seen the youth strikes as well, um, and we can't undermine, underestimate the impact that has had on the public consciousness. And like I said, I've had it from people that you wouldn't even have dreamt of that they would have been bringing up in those sort of environmental issues with you, and you know the bread and butter of environmental issues from you know your recycling right down to you know 
how we move things about the city and how we power the city you know that that's really coming through people that you never would have thought of and they never probably would have dreamt of themselves 10 years ago it really is you know it's coming to the fore and I think we have felt that as councillors as well you know that conversation has changed it has stepped up a gear you know we are trying to I suppose future proof and mainstream it rather than it to be an add-on it has to be built into every single decision and every single action that we take as a council. And Peter what do you see as because obviously you know like when you're looking at climate change I mean it's very easy to become overwhelmed because it is just such a complex and big issue encompassing so many different parts of it. What do you see as the biggest challenges facing Belfast in particular and and what uh, you know and, and you guys as a council because obviously it's a big thing to tackle and what, what do you see as the big challenges? Well suppose and this comes back to when I was trying to reflect on just my time as a councillor earlier on today it's trying to manage the the aspirations of the public um so i encountered this after i brought my motion on getting rid of single-use plastics and things like that and people were really on board with that um, and disposable cups and how environmentally damaging they were but it i suppose it wasn't that they were environmentally damaging it was more so that the infrastructure isn't in place to actually make them recyclable so we have non-recyclable recyclable cups at the moment because i think there's only one or two places in the uk that can actually recycle the, the blooming things and i remember talking to tim walker um who used to be involved in belfast city council and he met up with a, a church that had contacted me who had done the environmentally responsible thing and had gone out and got lots and lots of these compostable cups went to council and said okay would you take our compostable cups we've done what we should be doing and they just say no we, we can't take that the infrastructure isn't there to actually process these so they're just going to go to landfill so obviously whenever that's brought to me, I'm pulling my hair out because it's awful. But Tim Walker is able to explain you know, the mindset of the public has moved so much. We're trying to keep up with you guys. So it's trying to have the resources there to actually cope with and process all the environmental aspirations of the public and actually deliver on what they want to see. And I think that's a major challenge um, that, that all councillors are going to experience at some point. Okay, Anya, well, what do you think about that? Absolutely. The wheels have changed ground slowly. I think we've all had learned the hard way about that in council. You know, it's not just as simple. Like we declared a climate emergency almost two years ago now. Um, and it's actually delivering that into action is the hardest thing to do. For me, to be quite honest, I think one of the greatest barriers for Belfast in, in terms of tackling the climate emergency is how restricted we are by other bodies in government um, you know the devolution of powers here and the split between different institutions that let's say maybe are not at the same level as us as a council um, you know we don't have transport powers we don't have regeneration powers you know we're reliant on um, another government department where it's, you know, it's almost siloed the environment in, in terms of the assembly level um, into one department rather than it being embedded as opposed to right departments and I, I think that is going to be the biggest challenge you know we've done our mini stern in Belfast we know what we need to do to decarbonize uh, the city in terms of looking at transport and particularly in terms of retrofitting housing um, in particular we don't have the direct powers to do that so we are unfortunately you know held up by those other institutions we don't necessarily move they move probably even slower than council some might believe that's possible but unfortunately it is and we've seen that even in the last year we've seen how other cities and other countries have adapted to covid and they've been able to deliver you know really these groundbreaking you know new schemes of like public transport and you know um cycling infrastructure and pop-up parks and they've really reimagined their city because the new priorities that covid has brought in as well 
whereas what did we get? We got a couple of you know cones for a pop-up cycle lane and one parklet. Like, you know, it 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 can be disheartening and can be pretty frustrating for us as councillors because I I don't think there's much institutional resistance anymore in council. I think we are all singing up the same hymn sheet there, but it's getting I suppose the powers of be even a, at that level of government above us to actually start moving. Um, and obviously we were constrained by the fact we didn't have an assembly for so long as well, and it was only back up when COVID hit. Um, and the ministers are still trying to get to grips, I suppose, with their departments, which maybe have cultures and institutions there that just aren't really on the same page. And I, that is a, going to be a real challenge going forward. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Peter, when we, I mean, if you go back to 2018, when the pre-Mark fire hit, and we talked about reimagining the city centre and, you know, the chaos that caused by one building going on fire and, you know, the chaos it caused in the city centre, really, re- it really brought home a structural weakness in how our city centre was um, of what was designed. And we talked about pedestrianisation and we talked about all this stuff. Then COVID came on, as Anya says, and we were then talking about it again and as we're now starting to open back up again, and it looks like the vaccine's going well, seems like our foot has kind of come off the pedal on that a wee bit, and it seems like we may just go back to to the way things may have been before. Where, where, where do you think we are on that? Are you a bit more optimistic? I don't know. I, I feel as I advanced in in my years, my my optimism uh, slowly leaves my body. Um, but I, I do I do remember uh, those times and, and trying to be um, ambitious. Uh, before and you kind of do just go back to the way things have always been um i remember whenever i was deputy lord mayor uh, jonathan porritt spoke um and i i shared a stage with him and he he said you know be ambitious just aim high and wherever you land that's fine but i think sometimes in in northern irish society we try to get it right first time and get it perfect and then move on so as, as anya was just saying there with um DFI and there's lots of issues in, in terms of how they approach active travel but you know in France they just went out the next day and started painting left right and center uh, and there's bikes everywhere and you know, it's green everywhere whereas we, we got a couple of cones and, and a line driven or sorry painted along Bedford Street I mean that that's not a cycling revolution and now we're just going back the way things were whereas I think we really do need to be ambitious and just do the bloody thing so whenever it comes to I think in East Belfast with the glider Everybody was up in arms about the glider and the disruption it was going to cause, and it's awful, it's a waste of time, waste of money. And then you get it, and you just get over it, and then you move on and you grumble about something else. It's, it's, for me, it's, it's the right thing to do. I want a, a city that is open. I want a city that is easy to use for everybody and connects everybody. Uh, and you know, pedestrianization is a prime example you've just said there. Um, whenever I put up on social media about pedestrianization here, what, what do you think about this? Cause outrage as well. Whereas if you just do it, people adapt and they just move on to the next thing. Um, so I think that we really do need to be ambitious if, if we're going to change things for the for the better in, in Belfast. When it comes to the environment, um, we just need to look at other cities, look at the best practice, which you know, active travel, pedestrianisation, all those things have been proven to achieve. Let's just do it. If there's an issue, change it back. But I think that usually these things work out for the best. And I, I think that's what we need to do. Okay. And obviously, I mean, in terms of what the council can do, so obviously I was looking over some of the initiatives in the past few months. So we've obviously got the 1 Million Trees initiative, which was launched about six weeks ago. Um, And obviously there have been talk about air quality strategies and so on and so forth. I mean, in terms of the council, Anya, I want to go to you. What do you think the next 
big idea should be for the environment at a council level. Now, obviously, you were caveating things earlier. There are things that you guys don't have control over, and there are things that, you know, I know frustrating for you guys. You've got control over a part of it, but then maybe DFI or DEER would have control over the other bit of it. What do you think could be the next big idea in the council on the environment? Well, as we have just launched our climate action plan, so you know we're, our big ideas are there. We know what we need to do because yes, some of them you know aren't dependent on us, but you know we as a council are taking those steps to basically climate proof us as an organisation. So they're you know they're undertaking that assessment and review now in terms of the energy strategy and you know our own buildings and states. Um, but another one actually that's coming through, and I think it's something that's coming you know increasingly more aware that it's an integral part of climate emergency is around biodiversity. Um, and I know my colleague, uh, Councillor Brian Smith, is, is one of his things. You get him talking about this, he could talk all night. Um, and and uh, Peter's colleagues as well, I know in terms of the Michael Long, in terms of bus stops and, you know, putting bees and the flowers on top of the bus stop and things like that, you know, it's something that we've all been driving. Brian brought a motion there last month in terms of supporting the UN 30 by 30 campaign um, which is basically basically trying to return 30% of plant and seed to nature by 2030 and I think that is something that we as a council can really drive starting to look at our urban biodiversity and um, so there's simple things we can do in terms of you know our own estate and our own things but we can also we can help communities because like I said people are more aware than ever they want to get involved they want to green their gardens they want to green their alleyways you know all of that I think we can really transform the city by looking to how we can green it in terms of our own little spaces you know no more like concrete jungles start trying to reimagine that and i think as a council we can be a real driver of that in terms of leading by example by helping communities bringing them along with us on that um and even through the planning system as well and making sure that you know we are getting the best development possible and making sure that we can if there's an opportunity to green something that's coming through planning that we take that opportunity yeah, uh, Peter, what do you think about uh, about that? The next big idea is coming for young council. Well, I think it's it's one that maybe that's come indirectly. The public are already aware of it. I think that if there's one thing COVID's shown us, it's just how important the environment around us actually is. So you know, we've got a, a number of really successful greenways here in Belfast, and um, there's a hell of a lot more potential that we could actually deliver way way more for for the residents of Belfast. You know. The greenway isn't just something that I go for a run on or go for a cycle on, whatever else. It's actually something to get you out of the house, uh, clear your head and, and improve your mental health. So I think the public are starting to really resonate between, well, hey, do I want to improve my mental health by walking down a concrete up Norris Road or should I just take the greenway, clear my head a little bit and really return myself and reset myself back to the way my, my mind should be working? So I think with that, um, the public are going to start demanding hopefully, uh, a hell of a lot more in terms of active travel, a uh, hell of a lot more in terms of greenways, and just the environment around them, the, the public, you know, as Agranya was saying there, or, or Anya was saying there, sorry, uh, was saying about alleyways and greening alleyways. Uh, I mean, that I think that, and really connecting with the idea that it's not just what's there, it's just reimagine the immediate environment around you and make it better. Yeah, and also, I mean, going back to what Anya was saying, I mean, um, I remember just before Christmas being over in Anya's neck of the woods and, you know, Ormer Road was just gridlocked full of traffic and I just remember it was just so bustling and then like you turn and go into the park and it was so quiet and so peaceful and it just gets you and it's, it's, it's the same with the Greenway. I know obviously um, uh, in your neck of the woods too, Peter, you know, I mean, for people's mental health, uh, I mean, and we've got lots of these parks, I mean, but yet we see so little of that in our city centre, Anya, I mean, do you think that we, I mean, 
is there really, I mean, is there really the appetite to do that? Because if you look at Belfast City Hall, for example, during the summer, like when the grounds are open, there are loads of people in there who are who who want to use that kind of who want to use that kind of space. Yeah, absolutely. Like I actually live, I'm a stone's throw from City Hall, and honestly, I hate it in the summertime because I'm just surrounded by buildings. There's nowhere for me to go. Like City Hall is always bung. It's impossible to get in there. There really is a need, but we have an opportunity. Like I said, we do have planning powers. You know, we have a lot of land ourselves in City Centre, um, and it's about you know connecting things up a bit better. We do have a lot of parks. But how do we get to them? How do we connect them? And I think that's where, you know, like so 30 by 30 in terms of greening up our urban space, that's, you know, an opportunity to do that and trying to, you know, have more of the parklets, have more of the greenways. And, you know, out of the more traditional idea of a greenway as well, like, you know, we, why, why can't we have a greenway running through the city centre? Um, there's absolutely no reason why we can't. Why can't we connect our parks in that way? You know, the city, it, it, most cities are built around the private car. We actually went one step worse than that in terms of our city was designed around how to shut it down because it's designed for tanks that's essentially what it is that's why we have that gridlock one car breaks down somewhere in the west link and the entire city goes to a standstill so we need to really totally reimagine how we connect ourselves around the city and move more to that you know greening up and walking cycling infrastructure and making it pleasant to walk through because at the moment the city center isn't pleasant it's not pleasant to live in i have no outside space i'm at least 10 15 minute walk away from a proper green space other than maybe city hall which isn't that particularly usable either so like yeah, we really do have to do that and i said there is opportunity for the council it's about being willing to take it and it's also starting to look outside i suppose this economic growth and you know gdp focused agenda as well i think you know there's always that in procurement that you're always you know intent on getting the best economic value for a piece of land and selling it off to a developer or something like that if maybe start trying to think a bit more broadly than that in terms of going, look, we have a piece of land, we could sell it off to the highest bidder, or we could transform that into, you know, a public park. You know, that's where there is going to be hard decisions to be taken, but you know, I think we do. We are starting to get that consciousness there that that's what we have to do. We don't have an, an option around that, and to be a sustainable city and a well-connected city, that's what we have to do. Yeah, and Peter, do you think? I mean, in terms of obviously, I mean. Uh, over in your neck of the woods, there's been a lot of big transformation of, you know, you know, re- reimagining spaces and 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 relooking at things. You know, do you think? Um, I mean, obviously, have obviously people in your DA will have seen the benefit from that. Do you think again, going back to what he was saying, that there that that we can bring that into the city centre? Uh, yeah, um, I think I think we could. I mean, you mentioned earlier on pedestrianisation. I mean, that would be a bold statement. Um, but I mean, if you if you look at the best practice, it, it's all ideas that have been done before. Um, you know, I think about I lived in Europe for a number of years, um, and everything's pedestrianised. It's quite normal. Um, people just go to the shops. You know, in, in 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 Belfast, people are losing their minds about having a pavement cafe or something like that. And like in Europe, it's the done thing. It works. There's lots of people there that you know, will maybe grumble or something like that, but they'll just get over it. I mean, it's just about reimagining things. And saying, look, this works across the world, across Europe. Let's just try it in Belfast and see what happens. If you know, if everyone loses their minds, we'll, we'll bring it back. But I think people would really like, you know, based on what I was saying there about greenways, you know, people have really connected with that and thinking, God, I'm not, I won't walk down the Newton Road. I'll, I'll take the greenway. I feel a lot better after my walk. I feel a lot more refreshed. I think if you look at the city centre um, and you introduce more pedestrianisation or something like that, people will really begin to connect with that. And they realise that the hurdles 
um, that they envisaged beforehand really were just that. You just jump over them, continue the race. Um, so I, I, I go ahead there. No, I, I, I really do just think that all these things that are, are seen as challenges or obstacles, you know, really are just that, and you just overcome them and you just enjoy the, the, the best practice that's being done across the world. I think there is a culture here as well in terms of, you know, someone shouts the loudest and, you know, sometimes they that gets listened to. And like you said, in terms of challenges and hurdles, you know, they are seen as that sometimes instead of, right, how do we overcome, how do we get them? And you mentioned the glider earlier, like all the problems that was you know, mooted for that, they haven't come to fruition. In fact, you know, it's reached those targets within a couple of months of operating what they thought in terms of passenger numbers in three years, they achieved in two months. And, you know, they've been able to quantify, you know, improvements in air quality as a result. Like we've seen it ourselves during the summer, there was plans for pedestrianization of, around the Ormer Road on a couple of days. And honestly, some of the kickback from a very small number of people within the area, it was as almost like, you know, we were just trying to, destroy the road and we were told somewhat landish things that we we're trying to bring back the troubles like it, that's how that I'm not even joking that was something that was leveled at us for trying to you know improve this the area for people that lived there and worked there for it was I think it was equivalent to four or five nights it wasn't like it was permanent pedestrianization for me it was just you know a little trial period to do it for a couple of nights and see how a couple of days and see how it happened but you know we're, we're it was People will struggle to get that into their mindset. You know, change is difficult and sometimes you have to try it. It doesn't work. Fair enough. Hold your hands up, move on, maybe tinker with it and try to get it right. But, you know, we can't be afraid to try. We've no other option. We have to. Yeah. And uh, obviously, um, it was amazing how uh, COVID changed people's attitudes towards outdoor spaces. All of a sudden, you saw pavements being overtaken by cafes and bars and restaurants, you know. All of a sudden, these spaces outside were, were, were being overtaken. Um, just a final thought from the two of you. Um, uh, Peter, I want to ask you, you know, obviously, there's two years to go, believe it or not. I don't mean to give the two of you palpitations, but you are nearly halfway through your, your mandates before you're, you're up for re-election. Uh, in two years' time, by the time you go back to the polls in 2023, what would you be hopeful to go to the people of Ormiston uh, with the, the, the you could say you would like to have seen progress on from the council or or a project that would be well underway on the environment? Uh, I suppose I'm hopeful of, 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 of approaching an election, uh, a local council election in a COVID-free world uh, and actually engage on the doors the way I'm used to engaging with people on the doors. We obviously haven't done that for a while. I, mean, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm actually looking forward to having those conversations with people, seeing what they want. Uh, bringing forward our, our next local council manifesto and saying this is what we want to achieve for Belfast. Um, we've got our meeting later in the week to sort of look at our manifesto goals and how we're getting on. And you know we've raised a number of the things that we said we would do uh, and what we would fight for and and the Belfast that we would like to see. So hopefully um, I'll just be able to approach things uh, the way I always have done uh, and actually start talking to people, which is fundamentally what politics is. And you know finding those hurdles that, that I was talking about there. And saying that they really are just that, you jump over them and you move on, uh, making that as, as easy and, and, and surmountable for people as possible. So that's that's what I would like to see in two years' time. Okay, Anya, what about you? Um, I probably have a long list, but I, I think already, I think we you know are able to go back and say, look, we've started to change conversations. Um, we've got a climate unit in Belfast City Hall now, like that's massive that's starting to really mainstream things in there um i suppose in terms of certain tangible things you know i brought a motion in terms of looking at recycling bins in our 
parks and open spaces um, and we're hoping to get a report back on that soon I think that's something that's massive and it you know it's a real symbolic thing for people um, as well and I think that is something I hope we will be able to have some sort of progress on um, and other things in terms of it was just climate proofing a lot of our things like we make a lot of decisions without really thinking them through you know use for parks and things like that and increasing our biodiversity you know I think it's just getting that mainstreamed in um, and another particular bugbear for me is the likes of the Holy Lands area don't have any recycling facilities so um, I think it was the last thing I do as a councillor is to try and get that over the line one way or another because I think it's it's, it's shocking and I've, I get it from residents all the time every time a new batch of students even move in they phone me going where's my recycling bin and I have to go yep we still don't got those so I think that's something really tangible for me that I am continuing to yap on about and you expect to hear me going about for some time I would imagine Okay, thank you very much, uh, Anya, for that. Um, Peter McReynolds and uh, Anya Grugan, thank you so much for your thoughts today. Um, mm-hmm. I really appreciate your contribution. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you for listening to the Keep Northern Iron Beautiful podcast. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can be reminded of future episodes.